Hi, if you're listening to this, it means you took a couple minutes out of your day to join the Sean Mike podcast. I definitely appreciate that. We're going to be going over the Nebraska Cornhuskers football game that was just played against USM. It was definitely a very interesting game. I don't think we uh, knew what quite to expect out of it. And um, I'm going to kind of do- tell you what uh, my takes were on the game. It definitely, to me, in a way, almost looked like a tale of two games. So we're definitely going to get into that a little bit. You know, I do feel like I saw quite a bit of promise out there. I saw a lot of things that we can really really look forward to and really can build on. I feel like it was overall a good effort. You know, obviously obviously this game is coming up before our uh, conference opener that we have next week. So I feel like it was important to just get off to a good start and get off to, you know, I, I definitely, this team, while I wouldn't say it was the greatest opponent in the world, it definitely was still a quality opponent, I still felt. So it was definitely giving us a little bit of a test, and we'll go through kind of what some of my takeaways were. But overall, we're just going to be, you know, reviewing the game, telling you some people that I felt like really stood out in that game, uh, go over just the game itself. And also we're going to look ahead to uh, next week and kind of how the Huskers get started in uh, their conference opener. So, you know, uh, looking at the breakdown for, you know, overall in the game, on Nebraska you're going to see really – did a good job, you know, having the advantage in most of the stats. You know, the Cornhuskers had 24 first downs, while USM had 18. Uh, 610 total yards for the Huskers, while USM had 458. Uh, 368 yards of the Huskers' attack was through the air, while USM had, uh, yeah, 447 yards, a ton through the air. We'll get into that a little bit. Nebraska had 242 yards rushing, so, you know, Definitely gave, you know, a lot of balance because, you know, obviously over 600 yards of offense. But, you know, 242 through the ground, I felt like that was important. You know, we're also going to get into – we're going to get into some of the other stats a little bit later. But, you know, one thing I noticed is Nebraska definitely did a really good job getting off to a good start in that game. I feel like when you look at how the game opened up, it was, you know, very promising. You know, Nebraska didn't have – they weren't at full strength. Uh, Valentine was out, uh, Rose, uh, you know, a D lineman Valentine. Uh, Rose Ivy was out, and also Joshua Banderas was out. So definitely, once again with this team, we're finding other players are having to step up just because we're not at full strength yet. One thing that I felt like was kind of important was, you know, without having everyone at full strength, it means the players that are out there, you know, have to step up more, you know, whether it be, you know, a Diedrich Young at linebacker, you know, Chris Weber. And I feel like, obviously, it still takes time to grow into that and and step into the role that, you know, you're cast out into. But I feel like, overall, it makes me kind of curious to see where the team's going to be at once all the pieces are together. Because, obviously, you know, with football, injuries are just a part of the deal. And, you know, no matter how much you want to get away from it, whether you're looking at Nebraska, whether you're looking at your favorite pro team, maybe it's even, you know, a, a local high school team, injuries are always going to factor in, you know, it's very. It's going to be very, very, very rare to find a team where you don't have any injuries that you deal with. So part of it, too, is just understanding that you are going to have injuries and you're just going to have to work through that. Anyway, overall, just getting back to, uh, I noticed uh, right off the bat, and obviously a theme throughout this game, was Jordan Westerkamp. He had a very good game. You know, that first drive, he definitely made an impact right off the bat. You know, having... I counted out. He had four catches on the very first drive. So, you know, obviously they made a point just to just get him involved very early, and it paid dividends throughout the game. But 
the first drive actually ended with him getting a touchdown catch. And, you know, you also noticed on that first drive that um, the running game with uh, Terrell Newby and the O-line, it looked pretty good that first drive. You know, jumped out to a 7-0 lead, uh, just a hair under 10 minutes left in the quarter. So obviously seeing the Huskers be able to get out to that lead and be able to get out to that good start, uh, definitely a very promising start. I mean, it's all you can ask for. You know, your defense goes out there, gets a stop, and you're able to, you know, put a touchdown on the board, go up 7 nothing. So when I see performances like that, you know, start the game, I think that's more what we need. Obviously we saw in some of the early games, you know, didn't always get out to quite as, you know, great a start, but this game we definitely did. And, you know, one player I want to talk about, you know, Malik Collins, uh, D-lineman. He had a very big play early on in the game, but overall, throughout the course of that game, I feel like he uh, he made a lot of plays. And I think he's a guy that, um, I know it's kind of reaching out there, but I think he's going to be a pro prospect, and I think he's going to be able to, you know, do some things at the next level and be in the NFL. Just because when I see him play, he's given consistent D-line play. But not just that, like, you saw in this game, like, uh, early on, he forced a fumble with um, actually, you know, about eight and a half minutes left in the game. And that one wound up leading to, you know, a Nebraska field goal, put the Huskers up 10-0. But whenever you're making impact plays that are going to, you know, a fumble is, you know, all you can ask from a D-line, just being able to give that kind of effort. And obviously, it's not always going to result in the glorious plays, like a, you know, forced fumble or stuff like that. But it's definitely encouraging to see him be able to put out that effort and just be that consistent presence throughout the game. You know, once again, I do want to point out that uh, this uh, USM team was not just a, you know, it wasn't a cakewalk game. You know, they do have, you know, decent experience because they lost uh, overall 34-16 to to Mississippi State. But um, they were only down to 14-10 to at half of that game. You know, obviously they wound up, you know, getting losing by a much much more substantial margin, but overall that just shows to me that they were in the game. And if you um, you've been kind of following some of the other college football teams, you know, Mississippi State, they only lost to LSU. And obviously if you've been watching and seeing what LSU's been doing, they've got an incredible running back and a good team overall. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that they were in a game with a quality team you know, a quality SEC Power 5 school. So I think that kind of that kind of tells me something about, obviously, the game. We saw how the game, we'll get into the game, how it carried on farther and what the final score was in this game. But, you know, that tells me about the quality of opponent that we were facing and really what we were able to, you know, get some things going. But overall, you know, I saw that, that you know, it was definitely a very interesting game, a lot of things going on. And, you know, um, for for USM, they were able to get things going. They got a 50-yard uh, slant play that, you know, definitely made a big impact early on in that or middle of the first quarter, and it definitely just helped them, you know, get into our side of the field, get into the red zone. But then we were actually able to, uh, you know, stiffen up a little bit. USM wound up fumbling the snap on third down. And then uh, they tried to do a field goal, and they actually missed it, and it was a pretty reasonable field goal. So once again, you know, that was kind of a wrap-up for the first quarter, and, you know, they were able to they were able to make that big play, which, you know, we have found that to be a problem with the team so far. But at the same time, you know, the defense was able to stiffen up, and then obviously good fortune with that, you know, the drop snap that was on third down. 
but uh, overall, um, in the second quarter, uh, Nebraska had a fourth and one play, and uh, and Monty Cross, you know, they were able to they were able to get a fourth and one play uh, when we were on their side of the field in the red zone. But you know, the unfortunate thing is, is later on in that drive, the running game overall was just able to get bottled up, and it wound up to you know another field goal. Then you know that came with about you know eleven minutes left in the second quarter. But you know, obviously. I don't think there's any need to panic because I don't think it's been like a consistent thing throughout the course of the year, but it definitely has been in this game. We definitely saw um, just having field goals rather than touchdowns and I'll touch on that a little bit more, but that is something that obviously that obviously, uh, you know, the field goals kept them in the game and whenever you can keep a team in a game that maybe you're supposed to beat or is just more underrated, that's always going to be a bad thing because the more hope you give it give to a team like that, then you know the tougher it's going to be to, you know, put that team away and just effectively do what you need to do. And then you know later on in the quarter we also see a, a player that I mentioned on the last podcast that continues to step up. You know, uh, freedom. He made a he made a really big, you know, freedom akin Mulligan made a really big sack on third down and it led to uh it led to a guy that um we hadn't really seen this year have too big of an impact to say the least. I don't think a lot of people knew too much about him. But we'll get into and that was the fullback. And you know, Nebraska, if you follow Nebraska, obviously the fullback traditionally has been a very big part. Not quite as much as in recent years, but you know, yeah, Andy Janovich, you know, he's a senior fullback, you know, he's out of Gretna. He's kind of, but once again, you know, I mentioned a kid last week, but he's kind of, you know, what that Nebraska program's about because he was a walk-on. Uh, he got a soft, he got a scholarship before his, uh, before he played a game in his sophomore year. But, you know, it all goes back to, you know, the walk-on program. You know, a kid that, you know, didn't, didn't have a scholarship right away. I mean, yeah, he earned one after his sophomore year, but, he got the chance because of the walk-on program, and then he winds up getting a scholarship. I mean, I'm always going to be happy to see a guy be able to make plays, and, you know, we'll get into it. Actually, you know, we're just going to get into it now. I mean, looking at how, if you watch that game, you know, he had a really good game. He had uh, five carries for uh, 68 yards, and he had a 53-yard catch. So, I mean, he was just making all sorts of plays. I mean, we hadn't really seen this guy too much early on in the year, and then here he is making big plays, you know, he's a former walk-on, I mean, you can't ask for that much more, I mean, and he actually had a, if you're watching that game, he actually had a play later on in the game, where he would have had a, another, he would have had a touchdown, but uh, the touchdown actually got called back because of a holding call, but I just, I thought that was really cool to see him be able to make the plays that he did in that game, because obviously we hadn't seen, we hadn't seen that up to that point, and just seeing a guy that, you know, definitely sounds like he's grinding, and it seems like, you know, part of that walk-on tradition that the Huskers are so famously known for, you know, making a play, I'm always going to love to see that. But, you know, later on in the game, uh, Josh Kalou, he definitely flashed. You know, he had a, there was a blitz where he blitzed off his corner spot, and he really timed it perfectly. Just made a big play, was able to get a sack and get the quarterback. And, you know, the defense overall, it seemed like, even though we were only getting field goals early in the game, the defense was able to keep holding. And I feel like that was a big deal that I felt like, obviously, in that game, that the defense was able to do that. 
because it meant that even though the Huskers weren't putting up touchdowns or putting up a ton of points, the defense was just making it to where the game was still even and everything was going well. And now, obviously, if you watch that game, now, kind of just to jump ahead, I mean, there's multiple things that happened, but, you know, there were five Husker field goals by uh, Drew Brown, which, you know, the thing about it is we had our um, field goal struggles, especially in the first game, but he seems like he's really kind of um, turned a corner, and, you know, five field goals actually tied an NCAA record, and uh, at the end of the half, he actually nailed a 50-yard field goal. So I'm I'm very happy about that to see a guy that had his struggles be able to make five field goals in the game and just have that big of an impact in that first half. But the one thing I noticed though is, you know, I did the math in my head. If he would have let's say I mean, it's unrealistic to me to expect that every single drive that there was a field goal that that would have been a touchdown. I mean, yeah, that could have happened, but usually you're gonna get a field goal here or there. But let's say if the Huskers would have, um, three out of those five field goal drives would have been touchdown drives, then that would be in a position where the Huskers would be leading like 34 to nothing at half. I mean, 22 to nothing isn't, isn't like a bad lead, but when you really think about it, if the team gets one two-point conversion and then just touchdowns and PATs like normal, then I mean, that's only a three-score game. And I mean, and the reality is you've been... You've been off to a dominant start. You've done all this great work against a good, solid team, but you don't really have that monster lead to show for it. You really, you just have a 22-0 lead. So I mean, that's something that I think can be improved going forward. But at the same time, I'm not really going to harp on it too much more though, just because I feel like in previous games, like obviously there's been there's been different issues going throughout, but I don't feel like uh, being in the red zone is just a consistent, like not being able to. Uh, capitalize and get touchdowns has been a consistent thing. I mean, it's definitely something to look out for moving forward because obviously they did have the trouble in this game. But it's not something that I necessarily see as being something that has consistently plagued the Huskers or consistently been an issue up to this point. I feel like in this game in particular it was. But, you know, when you uh, when you get to the third quarter a little bit, and overall also I want to touch on uh, – First half, I feel like Armstrong, he continues to look comfortable in this offense, continues to, I feel like I've never really seen him better than what I've seen so far early in this year, and obviously we haven't had a conference game, but you know, at the same time, there have been tough games, you know, BYU, solid competition, Miami, solid competition, you know, uh, this team, it's not like, I wouldn't put them on the level of BYU or Miami by any means, but at the same time, I feel like this is also, you know, quality competition, it's a good non-conference game. It's not It's not going to be like your make-or-break non-conference games, like if Nebraska would have beaten BYU and if Nebraska would have beaten Miami. But at the same time, you know, a win's a win, and just being able to play, you know, a quality team is always going to be important. But, you know, opening up the third, I feel like uh, there was an interception early on by Tommy Armstrong, but I feel like it was kind of a weird, it was a weird play, though, because it actually, like, it might have been a little bit in front of Westercamp, but it like went off of his hand when he was trying to go for a one-handed attempt, and then um, you know it flipped up in the air and then the defender got it. So yeah, I I don't think I'd say it was the greatest pass in the world by any means, but at the same time I I don't think it was like a blatant like horrible interception error. It seemed like it was just one of those things where it wasn't right on the money. It got tipped up in the air. The defender was able to capitalize on it. 
and you know that wound up leading to leading to a touchdown for uh, Ido Smith the running back for USM. Very interesting kind of his game plan because I mean obviously I mentioned the rushing yards but uh, they really didn't have much success uh, running the ball but overall um, the running back for them though he had five catches and 72 yards. Really the guys that uh, really uh, really impacted it is obviously you know the quarterback for USM Nick Mullins he was 26 for 41 447 yards two TDs and you know no interceptions and then you know two of their two of their senior receivers, uh, Michael Thomas. He was five catches, 121. Uh, Casey Martin was eight catches, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. So you know, obviously, you know, they were able to have a lot of success in the passing game. Obviously, this has been a problem that's you know had an impact on the Huskers in you know the early part of the year. It's going to be something that continues uh obviously you need improvement on it you need improvement on it if you hope to get to the point that you want to get at and overall um heading into conference play it's going to be a must to improve on it because i know it's, it's just is this is extremely cliche to say but if you win the turnover battle if you're able to win that it really does correlate a lot of the times if you are able to handle that then you're going to be in a way better position if you're not able to handle that it's going to mean that you're in a little bit tougher situation overall in games. But, and you know, also I saw that um, Armstrong had another play where he had an open wide receiver, and, you know, he overthrew him a little bit. But overall, though, like I was saying, I feel like he overall was able to have a good game and an effective game. So that was definitely a real positive sign to see. But, you know, the Huskers uh, did get bottled down a little bit. I know that uh, Drew Brown had a field goal where uh, – well, he set his career high with the 50-yarder, but then they tried a 51-yarder, and he had plenty of leg, but he just uh, wasn't able to nail that one in. So once again, you know, you keep letting the team be able to be able to, you know, get in that rhythm. I noticed that uh, USM was able to, you know, they connected on some big passes, and they were able to get more in that no-huddle zone in the second half. And obviously when someone's going no-huddle and up-tempo, it doesn't, you know, you've seen it with, you know, some of the schools that were, have been winning national championships, you know, whether it's Alabama or whether it's, you know, the top team in the country. If you're able to get in that no huddle and you're able to get some offense and you're able to get into a rhythm against them, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who your defense is. You're just going to have a tough time dealing with it. It's just not an easy thing that you have to deal with. But overall, you know, one thing that I thought was kind of big in the third quarter is, uh, you know, Cross. you know, he's been a cons- – He's had his moments for the Huskers, don't get me wrong, but obviously he had a uh, he had a fumble with about, you know, a little under seven minutes left in the third quarter. And, you know, that definitely made it to where, you know, put us in a tough position. But at the same time, uh, later on, though, on a fourth and one, with, yeah, a little under five minutes left, you know, Malik Collins, he was able to make make a big play, you know, stopping them on a fourth and one. So, you know, that's kind of why I think that he's going to have a – bright future just moving on after he's done with Nebraska too because you know he had some plays in here where he's just able to keep keep flashing throughout the game and really made a big impact but yeah and one thing I definitely noticed throughout this game too is that Jordan Westerkamp it seems like every time there was a big third down he was he was a target and he was able to make a play on it and I mean that was just that was just one thing that was so nice to see that he was just that steadying presence to where he was able to 
keep making plays every time they needed it, and it's definitely just encouraging. I also noticed, you know, Alonzo Moore, he had a he had a touchdown pass, but he wasn't able to pull it in. I'm still really curious to see what their game plan with him uh, going forward is. You know, obviously, you know, Brandon Riley, he has done, you know, everything that he has done this year, you know, all the catches and everything, and being the huge part of the offense these days, you know, that's definitely encouraging. But at the same time, I don't think that necessarily means they don't uh, need to use more. Because I feel like once you get into conference especially, too, you can use all the weapons you can get. So I am curious definitely to see definitely to see what they are able to do going forward and how they're going to be able to incorporate uh, how they're going to be able to incorporate more uh, into the game plan a little bit. You know, at the end of the third quarter, uh, up 29-7, you know, it really looks like the game plan is uh, you know, worked great and you know, it seems like the Huskers are going to, you know, cruise to a win, you know. Obviously, it's not a huge lead. Well, I mean, huge in the sense that, you know, it's not like you're winning by, like, 40 or 50. But, you know, it's a reasonable read. You you expect uh, things to go fine. But, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know, give USM credit. You know, part of it is, I think, obviously, the fact of the matter is, is you have to do a little bit better at finishing out games. You know, that's always going to be tough. If you can't put away a team, it's going to make it to where... You know, you're going to, like I said earlier, you're going to keep letting them hang in there, and then you can't be surprised when that team is able to just make some more plays and just keep able to stick around in the game. But, you know, they got a touchdown pass, and then they were able to get, you know, an onside kick, but it wasn't like your traditional onside kick. It was more like an onside sneak. So, yeah, I mean, the next thing you know, you know, later on in the fourth, you know, it's fourth and four. We have them in a great position, and then uh, we give up a touchdown pass. So, you know, at that point, it's 29-21. And then, you know, our offense goes back out on the field, and, you know, we're not able to get a drive going. And, you know, obviously, this is the kind of things that you look forward to as Mike Riley is here a little bit longer, seeing uh, this team in particular and his teams moving forward, just being able to progress on this a little bit. You know, when you get to, when it's 29-21 and they know you're going to run the ball, this is where you have to get to the point to where you can get drives going and you're just able to, you know, they know you're going to run it. But you still run it anyway, and you make plays, and you're able to put the game away. And obviously, I think that's the biggest thing that people forget sometimes when you're looking at this is, you know, Mike Riley, you know, new coach. Obviously, obviously, I respect what Bo Pelini did, and I respect the players that we have here. But obviously, whenever a coach comes in, they're looking to get players for their specific style. They're looking to incorporate, you know, put their stamp on the team and just have things be exactly how they want it. And obviously this is year one. So, I mean, at when, and anytime with a new coach, I feel like with year one, you're always kind of adjusting the players that you already have and incorporating them into your new game plan. But you are adjusting because they aren't players that you recruited. They're players that you, um, you took on when you took the job. So that's always going to be a little bit more interesting, but overall, um, I feel like they were able to do some good things in this game because, you know, overall I feel like Armstrong, you know, he got a QB QB touchdown run later on in that game that was really able to help the Huskers. You know, I feel like even though um, USM was able to get another score, I feel like that touchdown they got was really able to help them put it away a little bit more. But, you know, keep in mind USM definitely did keep fighting. And Josh Kalu, there was a very weird uh, fourth down play where uh, he actually had he actually had an INT 
on the play, but it got taken away because they called pass interference on him. When we look at it, it's a questionable call. I mean, it's tough to say it's definitively pass interference. I don't think it's the most egregious call that I've ever seen. Like, I don't think you can say, well, that's the worst call I've ever seen or da 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 da, da. I mean, I don't think it was the greatest call, and I don't think the refs did the greatest job this entire game, but I'm sure there's been plenty of times where the Huskers play someone and, you know, we get the benefit of some calls and someone's like, man, I've never seen worse officiating. I think that's, with fans in general, I think obviously it's really easy to point to that. I think sometimes you get the call, sometimes you don't. But anyway, on that, you know, unfortunately he got the P.I., but then uh, he spiked the ball too. And I think he spiked the ball because obviously he was excited about getting the pick. Uh, you know, it would have been at the two-yard line, that spike moved it to the one-yard line. In the end, I mean, it's a yard, but, you know, when you're at the goal line, every every bit of real estate makes a big difference. But, yeah, I mean, but later on in the game, though, um, kind of going back to officiating, though, one thing that I think was more blatant that got missed was uh, Tommy Armstrong had a play where he had just made a big uh, run to get a first down. It was like nine or ten yards, and he was on the sideline, and he just got leveled. And uh, even the announcers that were covering the game were like, well, here comes a 15-yard penalty. But uh, that flag never came, so that was just really odd that, you know, with the quarterback going out of bounds at something that big, uh, kind of got missed. But, you know, it is what it is. You're not going to get every single call, so it's, you know, it's tough. But overall, you know, um, Armstrong, he had a play where he was rolling out late in the fourth quarter, and then... uh. He's able to find Brandon Riley, and obviously we didn't see Brandon Riley quite as much as what we did in other games, but he still finished with three catches in 112 yards, because some of the catches he did have were bombs down the field. So, you know, you know, keep mentioning his name. He's definitely just been a huge contributor early on in the year, but we are able to get that. And, you know, one thing I noticed, too, is on that drive is uh, we were able to get – I feel like uh, Mike Riley's a pretty good play caller, like knowing when to mix in a reverse. Sometimes, to me, with a reverse – the most frustrating thing about a play like that is if it's called at the wrong time, it feels like it just gets totally blown up and throws everything off. And obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Sometimes sometimes the result makes us t uh, decide whether it was called at the right time. I mean, if, if someone calls a reverse and, you know, it's not executed and it's a five-yard loss and it's like, man, why did he call that? You know, but obviously when they call a reverse. But I've seen coaches get a little bit, you know, play call happy with it though where they they keep trying to call him over and over again and it's just really predictable but he seems to know when to mix and match it in the game and I feel like that's kind of like a nice change of pace and it's it's encouraging for me to see him be able to do that because obviously you know that is a coaching thing where it's going to vary from staff to staff but him being able to you know make those uh change-ups really helps out in a game like this and then you know yeah, I did notice penalties was a big thing. If you noticed in that last drive, it took away a touchdown touchdown play in that game. I believe it was a pass to Jordan Westerkamp. Now, definitely something I look for improvement moving forward. Definitely have to clean up some of those. And then, uh, you know, that the missed field goal, it actually wasn't really a miss by Drew Brown. It uh, actually got partially blocked. And that put it to where USM had a chance to drive down the field. But then... Um, you know, Freedom able to make a sack once again, and this, you know, he keeps making plays. He had at least two sacks in this game. He might have even had three. But, you know, the freshman being able to make all those plays is just really encouraging. 
So overall, you know, Tommy Armstrong, 23 of 35, uh, 368, two TDs and one INT. And uh, Tyrrell Newby having, 20, having uh, 18 carries for 76 yards, being able to make really big plays. Uh, yeah, and uh, Westerkamp was 11 catches, 118 yards, one touchdown. I know by the end of that game, I was thinking, man, for a receiving effort, it's tough to see much better from a Husker that I can really remember. I mean, obviously... Obviously, it can go back to some games, but like I remember Maurice Purify, that's a name where he had uh, against Texas A&M. I believe that was like right when I believe Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback of that team. He had a he had a huge receiving game, but at least in terms of more recent memory, I feel like this was definitely a huge effort by Jordan Westerkamp. Overall, just kind of moving forward from this game, I think that. Uh, you know, at Illinois next week, you know, that's when the season really starts. You know, obviously non-conference is great, but when you get into your conference season, you know, all the goals, despite the record, are still there. You know, all the goals of, you know, winning the conference, you know, they're still out in front. Now, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, and it doesn't mean that, you know, I, it's tough to tell what to expect, but at the same time, you know, you're 0-0 zero and zero in conference every game. you got to play one game at a time. And I think you're going to have a chance. So it's really just encouraging to see where this team is at. But, you know, playing against Illinois, I think that's going to be a winnable game. I feel like, you know, the one solid team they played was UNC, and they really got smacked by them. They beat some weaker opponents. But uh, overall, I just want to thank you for taking time to uh, listen to the Sean Mike podcast. Uh, feel free to like the Sean Mike podcast on Facebook. Also, this will be brought to you on Big Husker Nation, so please like Big Husker Nation. That's where you see me post the podcast as well. So, yeah, I'd just like to thank you for tuning in. You guys have a great night.